0: Hey, this is Billy Claudio. I'm the pastor of Oasis Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope you find freedom today through the gospel. Enjoy the message. Man, good morning, everybody. I love sharing in communion. It's a a value that uh, reminds us of just what Jesus has done. And I'm telling you, every day that we can remind ourselves what Jesus has done is a good day for us because it reminds us how much we can be thankful for, reminds us of roles and responsibilities that we might have. Uh, So I'm glad that you're here today. How many have ever been lost? (laughs) I know some of you live lost. I know. this is. I've ever driven with my wife somewhere, like I just know right away that, you know, as we start going somewhere, she has this... Innate lost feeling when she's driving. anybody anybody here like that? You just when you start driving, it's like you just feel lost. You know, it's a terrible feeling, isn't it, to feel lost? I mean, it's terrible. I I I, I do not know that feeling. <laughs> Man, how of you know what I'm talking about? We kind of always know where we're going. Uh, a friend of mine. I was on a mission trip to Guatemala City years and years ago. I was. Um, with a friend, and we were going to do an exploratory trip and doing some missions work in Guatemala. And uh, as we were there, we went—just the two of us went—and we were meeting. We met a missionary guy that took us down a couple hours south of Guatemala City, and had just an amazing missions experience. Preached the gospel in a, in a, a back in the middle of nowhere. You're out, out in the, really the middle of nowhere, and and. Uh, when we came back to Guatemala City the next day, we decided, you know, we didn't have any ministry that day. We decided we are going to take a trip. So we, we, we just decided to get on a bus and go, you know, check out things. And uh, that was the first mistake, um, was getting on a bus in Guatemala and just going to check out things without strategically going, okay, what bus did we get on? And this is, this is young in my in my travel career. And I realized that when we, we finished going to do what we want, I was like, I have no idea where we're going, and I felt so lost, and we had to put our minds together, and, you know, there's, there's a sinking feeling in our lives when we're lost. Or, how many of you ever lost something very valuable? You know, my, my family, we were in uh, having a family vacation in, in the Dominican Republic, and my son did not want to lose his wedding ring, so he's like, I am not going to lose my ring. He took it off and gave it to his wife and said, would you hold this for me? <laughs> And so she was like, of course I will. And so he got in the water. And a few minutes later, she gets in the water. (laughs) Yeah. The ring was not safe any longer, right? He tried to protect it from the water. She went protecting his ring, lost it. And, of course, we knew right where it was dropped. But it was actually lost, lost, and we couldn't find it. And I'm diving down, we're trying to do everything. And, you know, it's terrible when you lose something of importance. My wife and I had been traveling on the road, and the diamond that she wears on her finger, um, I got the, the, uh, the ring for it, but the diamond was a passed-down diamond from, from multiple generations in my family. And so it's a very valuable diamond, worth just not just the value of the diamond itself, but the, the family value of it. And, and, you know, she has it set in a beautiful section and we were traveling on the road we'd done a lot of traveling and we had just got finished traveling and we'd come come home and as we're getting out of the vehicle to get the kids out of the car seat um, my wife goes the diamond on my ring has gone it had broken off her her ring the 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 thing had broken off her ring and of course you know, she, she, she's devastated. I'm really devastated. No one this ring has come from. We're like, what are we going to do? Because we'd been so many different places, and we immediately said, what are we? You know, we prayed. We immediately said, what are we going to do? And in and, and just a short period of time, it actually had, lo- had, had dropped off in the van. Thank God we found that thing. But things being lost is a big deal. You know, some of you probably are still, how many of you still are searching for that one thing you can't find? Like you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, you've know you looked everywhere, in the middle of the night you wake up, maybe it's... And you get up in the middle of the night, because there's something about us wanting to discover lost things. And I, I want you to know, today, the title of my message is called Search Party. And um, you know we see many stories that happen around when someone, particularly a person, gets lost. There's a search party put together, why? To go find that lost person. People sacrifice time, energy, and effort to go do that. Um, and I want to begin with this as we talk about search party. I want you to know that God is searching for you. If you, you feel lost, I want you to know that God is not a God that's abstract and pushing you away. God is, is a God that's looking out after you. He's coming out for you. He's looking for you. He's, he's, he's trying to find ways to get a, a hold of you and get a hold of your heart. And, and again, when we're lost, sometimes we want to be lost. You ever been that person? You don't want to be found. You're trying to stay away. Well, many times we find ourselves in a position with God that we're lost. But I want you to know that God loves you deeply. He's desperately in love with you. And and he's searching you out and he wants to find you. He wants to bring you the life that he offers, the hope that he offers. He's interested in helping you be found because there's nothing like as we're going to discover being found. How many of you uh, can remember when you came to Christ and you can say, I once was lost, but now I am. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? We go from darkness to light. We go, we experience foundness, what it means to be found. Our, our Christian faith is based upon this beautiful picture of being found in Jesus. And, and again, it's, 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 it's so substantial. The gratefulness of our being found is a powerful tool. And I want to remind us today, we're starting a series kind of on the idea of lost and found. Of We realize that God has a story of finding people and saving people and redeeming people. And we're a part of that beautiful story. You know, Proverbs 29 in the message paraphrase says this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. It's important that we know what God is doing, right? How many of you don't want to stumble? We want to be in in tune with what's going on. He says, but when they attend to what he reveals, what he shows, they are most blessed. And today, I'm going to talk about something that God reveals about himself toward us as individuals, toward the found that we get to celebrate. Because this is truth about God. God is either looking for you or using you to look for someone else. Everybody say search party. God has got a search party going on. I want to read a story to you. and I'm going to read a few scriptures just because I want to tie together the concept that we're going to be talking about really over the next few weeks. and it's, It's a central theme of the gospel. It's a central theme of the Bible. God seeking and searching for those that are lost, those that get far from him. God reaches down and tries to bring us back. God is always at work trying to get us back into a place of holistic life with him. And in Luke chapter 19, we find a great passage in verse number one. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And if you were basically a tax collector in these days, you were not a good guy. You were you know, a sinner and he was wealthy for a reason because he was taking money from everybody. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, I think it's a significant stop. He wanted to see who Jesus was. I want you to know that many of you have a fallacy that you don't think people are interested in Jesus. I want you to know that people are interested in seeing, a, seeing who Jesus is. They really are interested in seeing Jesus. They, 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 we're going to talk a little bit about statistics and over the next couple of weeks, learn some things about society and the changing of society. But the truth is, everybody in their heart of hearts, would want, they want to see Jesus. They're not sure that they want him, but they want to see him. Right? Zacchaeus heard, and I don't know how he heard, he heard that Jesus was through, and he wanted to see Jesus. And I just want you to know, in the heart of every human being is a desire to want to see Jesus. And again, maybe not to embrace, but at least to want to see, at least to want to understand, at least to want to have a perception of something that maybe they they think about him or they don't know, but they want to see. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was. Again, verse number three. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. (laughs) That reminds me of a song. I won't sing it, though. Short people got no... Isn't that a terrible thing in scripture. It's like everybody's going to go to Zacchaeus. We're going to go, Zacchaeus, where are you? <laughs> He's going to be in heaven. We're going to know Zacchaeus, the short guy. It's like, really? That's what they got to say about him? Verse four So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. I, I go back to this. You know, people do want to see Jesus. Christians, that's why we're called to live in a, such a way that people see Jesus in us, because they want to see him. You know, most people don't want Jesus because of the way Christians live. And they say, well, if that's what Jesus is like, then I don't want anything to do with him. Which is why us transforming and allowing the transforming work of the Holy Spirit is so important, particularly with this topic that God wants to work on us to make a better version of of ourselves. How many of you would like a better version of you? I want you to know that God's working on you. And if you keep on letting that happen, you keep on letting God work on you and work his plan in your life, you're going to find a better version of you that's going to grow and mature and become more influential in reaching and touching other people. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, I love this, there was a demarcation. And next somewhere, when Jesus reached the spot, I call this a, a divine a, a appointment that Jesus was aware of. Zacchaeus thought it was happenstance, but when Jesus reached the spot, He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And then all the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone. He is going to be the guest of a sinner. No! Jesus is going to go be with a sinner. No! You know, some of you maybe grew up like I did. My mom's main agenda for my life was to keep me away from sinners. Number one agenda was to keep Billy away from sinners because sinners were the problem. Now, there is a sense of understanding. I'm sure my mother, she's, she did not want me to be a, have a negative influence from them on my life as she was framing and forming me. My wife and I, when we had our kids, uh, we had them in private school then, and, and then homeschooled, and we made a commitment with them. We said, one day, we're going to send you to public school because we want to form Jesus in you so much that you can go and be with Sinners, so you can make an impact now jesus knew his purpose he knew the vision of why he was called on the earth and so for him he needed to go be with sinners it was a part of his mission now how many of you are glad that jesus hangs out with sinners (laughs) you know why you should be glad because you're one of them (laughs) we're all one of them we needed jesus to be interested in sinners Because we are them. You know, the righteous people of the day, they were just whacked out in their head. They just didn't get anything right. They're they're complaining about Jesus. I say, well, what is a sinner? Well, we're we're all sinners. What's the point? Well, we see that that lost sinners that get a hold of Jesus become found sinners. Found sinners have been saved from their sin. Lost sinners are still stuck in their sin and will pay the penalty for their sin. The good news of communion was that Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could be redeemed from the payment. We don't have to pay the wages of sin, which is death. We got saved. Saved from what? That. How many of you know that's a pretty good deal, right? That's what salvation is. We're saved from something that was worthy of being saved from. 1 Timothy reminds us in this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Paul said, of who I am the worst, I'm terrible. Paul saying this. How I many of you can say amen or oh me? I want you to know that God loves us all. He came to save sinners. Back to, to Luke in verse number 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here I here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. What? Jesus says, I'm going to your house. His first response, I'm giving half my money away. <laughs> I wish this worked in real life. <laughs> and any, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them four times the amount. Jesus says so. Jesus ends up going to his house. Jesus says to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham." In other words, he's brought back. Verse number ten is the key verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What did Jesus do? He came to seek and save the lost. He was on mission. His mission was to go. He was on. He had a search party. He was seeking. Who was he searching for? The lost, that's what he was doing. His mission was to go search for the lost. His goal was to go to where the sinners were. His plan was, I've got to bring redemption to these individuals and give them hope. Here's something important for us to remember. His mission, Jesus' mission, is our mission. He came to seek and save the lost. Guess what? As representative of Jesus, his mission has never ended. How many of you know there's still lost people out there? And our job as found people, is to become a part of the search party and seek and save those that are lost. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is leading a search party to find people who are far from God. He's leading that search party. He's not looking for volunteers, by the way. He's not asking you to volunteer. He's like, of course, anybody who's been found will be a part of helping Find other people, right? Gratitude simply would say, because I've been found, of course I'm going to be a part of helping find others that are lost. It's not a volunteer issue. He's not saying, is there anybody out there that can help me seek and save the lost? As a matter of fact, we're going to find that at the end, that he calls you an ambassador, a representative representative of himself on the earth to reconcile people back to God. You are a part of the search party. Now, how many of you know if you got uh, blinders on, it's not going to be very helpful for you? If you're deaf to what the Lord is doing, if you're not ready to be engaged in it, you know, you you might see someone that's lost, and if you're not on tune with what's going on, it might be that you don't help a lost person become a found person. And this is so important for every one of us because I believe if the The representation of Jesus on the earth, the church would do its role of seeking and saving the lost. I'm telling you, I I know this, America needs revival, right? And church is changing. It used to be people would come to church just because there was a church. But right now, do you realize that if they're a non-believer, particularly the millennials, the non-believers, 30% think the church is bad news. I mean, excuse me, 70% think that the church is bad news. That's their opinion. 80% think that pastors are bad news of the millennials. So we can say, we got church this weekend. Come to church. You know what their first thought is? I ain't going there. There's trouble at church. There's trouble with those people. And the only way that they're ever going to find themselves in a church is not because we do a nice production or a good Christmas event. It's because somebody is looking and living like Jesus and having impact in a personal way. So when they say, you know, we had this happen. You know, my church is not like you think. Because believe me, they think that your church is messed up. And they're sad that you're going to it. It requires... God doing something in the hearts of every person in this room to realize that if we become people that are on mission to seek and save the lost, we'll begin to see revival take place in mass ways. Because people are looking and ready for someone to be like Jesus in their life. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, I'll remind you, God is either looking for you or he's using you to look for somebody else. So you're one of two people, right? You either need to be found, and if you are, I'm glad you're here today. God's been looking for you. He's been reaching out by the Holy Spirit to invite you into fellowship with Him. And today, your life will never be the same. And if you're one that can already say, I've given my life to Jesus, you're the other one. You're the one that He's compelling. Good! You're the people that are looking for people that are lost. You're the ones that God is going to use to begin to impact the world in such a dynamic way, the way that God compels us and calls us to reach. It's, it's a role that we play. It's, a, it's our mission. You know We're reminded of the Great Commission, Jesus speaking to the disciples before he was to ascend into heaven. He said this in Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. And I love that he ends with that. I want you to go. And he says, but I'm with you always. And how do we know he's with us always? Because he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us to help us. We're not on this alone. Us going and seeking the lost isn't on our own merit. Like, how many of you know you can't look at someone and judge them as a sinner or a saint? Now, some of you like to do it, but it's not the right thing to do. Listen... We, we When we're led by the Holy Spirit, God begins to impress upon us people to begin to have conversations with, people to sit down and go eat with, that they are, and I want you to know this is important for all of us, every one of you need to be sitting with sinners. Not because you're going to judge them and tell them how bad they are, because you, but, but because you want to bring the hope that is found in Jesus Christ and the life that they can receive in Jesus Christ, the hope that they can have. It's a whole different way of thinking, and the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us in bringing about the transformation and change in our own hearts on how we're going to reach out to others. We're not alone. As a matter of fact, in Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit fell upon Jesus' promises to the, to the saints when they were the Holy Spirit would come, he said in verse number 8 of Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. What is a witness? Somebody that simply testifies what it means to be saved. Can I, can I help you with... I'm, I'll, I'll help you over the course of the next few weeks. I'm going to help you learn to tell your story. How can you be effective in communicating something that people will go, that's amazing how that happen? Wow, that's really amazing. That's really, I can't believe that. How can we tell our story? I, I want you to know that we're called to be a witness. And all a witness does is testify what has happened to them. You are the best testimony in the world. When you can say... Can Someone can say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean, Jesus? You can say, well... All I can tell you is what Jesus has done for for me. You don't have to know theology. You don't have to know the Bible backwards and forwards. Can I get an amen from anybody? Some of you are like, I can't do it because I don't. You don't need to know anything except the story that you have of what Jesus has done for you. What better testimony? Because someone can say, well, I don't believe that. It's like, I don't care if you believe it or not. That's what happened to me. Like, And and they will likely not say that because they're seeing you demonstrate that conversation in front of them. It's a powerful tool that we have. You know, in the scriptures, and I'll just hit this quickly because I want to get to the ends of each part of these scriptures. You know, seeing things lost is, is, is something important for us to see. And the Holy Spirit, for all of us, empowers us to fulfill the mission of Jesus, which is to seek and save the lost. I love how, I want to jump real quick back to last week when Brian was teaching. He talked about the three C's, that the Holy Spirit's job is to catalyze us. He's a catalyst for our life. He kind of empowers us to motion. And then he gives us a call, which is, hey, you're empowered now. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. I want you to go be my witness. I want you to be a testifier. I want you to use your uniqueness of who you are. I, I want you to go do something for me. I want you to tell someone about me. That's the, the call. And then there's the cost. What will it feel like when I actually have to tell somebody something? How many you know th- most of us fail at the cost, right? A situation arises, we're like, hey, say something. We're like, oh. and you leave going, you know what? Oh, I should have said something. The cost came up, and, and we were like, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, he catalyzed us. We're all of a sudden understanding our call. We're starting to pay attention that we're on mission to seek and save the lost. The cost reveals itself, and, and this is where the wind comes into play because we've we got to say, you know what, it, it, Jesus died for it. It's worth so much. Yes, if he was willing to die for my sins and find me, surely I'm willing to risk a little bit of ridicule to tell someone about Jesus. And here's the awesome thing. You've got the catalyst, Right? The Holy Spirit that moves us to the call, that moves us to the place of cost. And Brian said it yesterday, it's really an investment because after the cost happens comes the crescendo. You know what a crescendo is, right? The music is building up, no no, 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 no no. And the big symbols go, "Ah. When someone commits their life to Jesus because you paid the cost, you paid the price, and you shared your faith with them and you said something to them, the Holy Spirit uses the whole totality of that. And someone comes to Christ, and now you have a testimony, and so does the person that committed their life to Jesus. There's someone that's newly been found because you were a part of the search party, going and reaching out to them and bringing Christ to them in a significant way. And Luke chapter 15, it's also a parallel scripture in Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read these quickly to you, and I want you to see something at the end of each one of these. In in, uh, uh, Luke 15, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around. Who was gathered around? Right? The bad people. And I say bad people in in a fun way. They they, they were people that were messed up. They needed help. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man, speaking of Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Notice again, they're criticizing Jesus because he's with sinners listen you need to go be with sinners not so you're just hanging out and sinning with them with a with a with a goal i want to bring jesus to these people i want to live a testimony of jesus in front of these people so i can bring the light to them three then jesus told them this parable suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents than over 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. In other words, when we get together and have fun together and party together, and we go, Jesus, when we have our services, we go, oh, Jesus, we love this here. I want you to know that when one person, we can come together a hundred times, and if no one comes to Christ, when one person comes to Jesus, God's more happy about that one person that came to Jesus than the hundred times that we got together and just celebrated. And I love celebrating, I love worship, I love having a good time. But when one person comes to Jesus, heaven celebrates. It goes on to say this, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, notice the effort, the work, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Heaven rejoices, the angels rejoice. Why? Because one person has been found. And then it goes to the great parable, the, par- the, the prodigal son parable, the parable of the two sons. The one that stays with the father and isn't close and the one that leaves from the father and goes and lives like a wild, crazy sinner. Jesus is telling this story. He says, and and one day the son that's far away said, it'd be better to go be home with my father. At least I'd be close and taken care of. And he finds his way back. And when the son comes back, the father says, my son who was lost has now been found. Let us celebrate. It's the idea of what makes God happy. What makes God celebrate? He celebrates when the mission of seeking and saving the lost is something that is perpetually taking place within our lives. You want to smile? You know, I've had the privilege in my life journey to lead lots of people to Jesus, both personally in moments and in large groups as well. Obviously, as a pastor, every week I invite people to know Jesus. But there's nothing more satisfying to the soul than to leave a place and go, someone was lost, and now they're found, and I had a part to play in it. Because it's the ultimate mission of Jesus, to bring people to the saving knowledge of who he is. The main mission of Jesus is a shared mission for his church, which is to seek and bring salvation to those who are far from God. Our mission at Oasis Community Church is we want to help people. Number one, we want to help people to know God. It's a paramount for us. The number one thing we want people to do is we want them to know God. It's the mission of salvation. We we, we're desperate to make people know God. This week we were out passing out baskets at Marabella, a local community. Uh, Arabella, Carabella, Arabella. Arabella. That place over there. <laughs> Invite them to say, hey, we're glad you're here in the community. We just want to drop you a basket off from a church. And we're just, any way we can serve you, let us know. Why? Because we want to we meet people, to have conversations and share faith. You know, I love, in, in, uh, last couple weeks ago, Andy was at the store and met someone at the, at the store and started a conversation with, actually a couple people lately, but he was at the store a couple weeks ago and, and, and had a conversation with someone and said, man, you need to get to church. And the very next week, that person showed up at church and has been at church ever since. Why? Because that's what we're doing. We're seeking and saving the lost. We're not just going through life, doing our own stuff, making our own bread, doing whatever we want. Our job is to seek and save the lost. That's the number one mission of the church. It's not to create nice buildings with nice air conditioning or heat, whatever you need right now, and and, and a place where we can have coffee and donuts and fellowship together and smile and laugh and pray for one another. Our number one mission is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the more we do, the happier we are. You got some empty seats here. Wouldn't you be happy if someone that you invited came to church and gave their life to Jesus and and again, it's not about filling up the church, it's not about filling up the pews, it's about impacting the lives of people because we know that we're called, the number one thing is we want we're called to make people know God. That's what we're called to do. The the second thing is is we're called to help people grow healthy. We want them to know God. We want them to learn how to live a a good life. We want them to realize that God wants to heal them, body, soul, and spirit. God wants to help help them have a good marriage and have a good family and be connected in small groups in the environment. We believe the third thing is is that we want them to know their purpose, to go, I know what I'm called to do. I, I know the role that I have, the unique way that God has designed me. He's made me special and unique, and when they know God, they, they get that dynamic, and it, it begins to grow in them in their life. And it moves them as they begin to, to understand this purpose within their life. Then they can begin to make a difference in the lives of other people. right? They, they, they discover their purpose, and they begin to make a difference. And how many of you want to make a difference? This is how it works in our lives. But we have to get the heart of God to say, Lord, I want to be on mission. Here's what I know about all of us. We're not perfect. But God can use us anyway. Can I say it again? We're not perfect, but God can use us anyway. I had, a, I had this guy tell me a story one time. He was at a bar, and he was the sinner in the bar. And there was a uh, sipping saint that was in the bar <laughs> that had sipped too many. And this sipping saint, in his own dilapidated state, began to tell this person about Jesus. (laughs) And this person, here's this person that's not maybe living to their own expectation, can't help but to talk about his Savior, Jesus, and what Jesus has meant to him. And he's sharing in his own dilapidated state, and not living as he should, he's sharing the story of Jesus with this other person that's the sinner that doesn't know Jesus, and this person's heart is convicted in the bar and comes to Jesus by the drunk saint. <laughs> you go, No way, yeah, way. Because God uses imperfect people. Now, it's not an excuse to be imperfect. Some of you are going, Hallelujah, I'm going to the bar, because then we'll go preach the gospel. All I need is six beers to do it. (laughs) It's not the point. You're making your own point if you think that. God wants us to know that he can use us in any state that we are if we're available. God uses imperfect people to minister hope to to the world. Because we serve a perfect Jesus. Imperfect people serve a perfect Jesus that's never wrong, that's never unrighteous, that always has it together. And us that don't have it all together... We are the ones that God has chosen to use to express his love to the world that's around us. And in your imperfect state, you still are a vessel that can be used for the glory of God to bring life to others. Romans 5 says this, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, he died for us while we were powerless. He goes on to say, verse 8, but he demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were messed up, Jesus died for us. I want you to know, even when you're still messed up, Jesus died for you, and he has a plan to use you in this generation, in this earth, to make a difference for his kingdom. Amen. He's inviting us to do that, and here's the key for this, I, and I just want to say this, you know, when we talk about our perfections, I, I want you to know that if you've given your life to Jesus, you're saved. You were saved. When you committed your life to Jesus, you were saved. I also want you to know that you're being saved. (laughs) right? God's at work saving you from yourself right now. There's things that you're doing wrong. He's trying to fix. You're being saved. He's working on that saving grace in your life. And one day you will be saved save when you go to heaven to be with him right so the the work of salvation is is complete in the beginning you are saved if you're giving your life to Jesus you're being saved in the process that's the that's the work of the cross within us that's making us holy and and righteous and living right and then one day we will be saved in eternity and God wants to use us in this being saved state to be a blessing to the lives of the people that are around us so I'm I'm going to invite you what's next for us You know, a lot of people are unsure about the journey that they're on. But I want you to know that we're a continuum of some place between where we were and where God is taking us. But all the process of that continuum is there's never a time that you shouldn't be saying, Lord, I want to be on your mission to seek and save the lost. I'm a part of the search party. We have a generation of people think that it's wrong to share faith. A whole generation that says, let people have their own truths whole culture of people that are raising up in church that go, yeah, you know, that's somebody else's business. And I I go, you know, when Jesus came on on the earth, he didn't say, well, that's other people's business. He said, no, this is my business. I got to go do what I'm called to do. And while I do, I've got to tell other people about it. The mission that he was on is the same mission that we're called to be on. And it's a reminder for all of us. You know, we have the the Christian millennials, 47% of millennials believe that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith. They believe it's wrong. They believe it's wrong to tell somebody of a different faith that Jesus is the way. Because they believe that everybody's truth is equal. And I, I want you to know that according to Jesus, everybody's faith is not equal. All roads and in a universal mindset, people say, well, all re- roads lead to heaven and, and everybody goes to heaven. And therefore, there's no responsibilities that we have because no matter how you live, everybody eventually goes to heaven. And I go, I always like to ask the question, well, is Hitler going to heaven? Like well, maybe not Hitler. <laughs> how about Mussolini? Yeah, maybe. And you go down the list, and they're going to go. Well, how about Jeffrey Dahmer? How, we, we go down the list, and all of a sudden, well, maybe not those people. Okay, well, where's the line then? What is the line? All I know is what they believe. Well, I'm across the line. But the truth is, is that Jesus gives a high standard of what it takes to be in relationship with the Father. As a matter of fact, in John fourteen six, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth." and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Peter said of Jesus, salvation is found in Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Revelation says this, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. That's the last book of the Bible, almost the last chapter of the book of the Bible, said this is the reality, to say there's a book that's got people's names on it. It's got the saved and the damned. Our job is to say those that are damned and destined for separation from God and eternal fire, I want them into the the kingdom of God. It's my job. They're the lost ones that I'm called to, to bring the hope of the gospel to. And again, we're not called to judge. We're not called to condemn. We're called to bring life, Jesus, hope. Jesus made this great statement. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know, there was a situation in 1991 a guy was out in the middle of the highway screaming and yelling cars are going by he's screaming and yelling it's a foggy day and he's kind of out a little bit before the fog but he's yelling and screaming at cars and you know cars are beeping at him and and kind of negating him some of the cars are slowing down trying to figure out what's going on and what what people don't know is that this guy drove into the fog and ran into a mass of vehicles in the fog, and people were going at a high rate of speed. And this guy got out of his car and began to run down the highway into the face of traffic, screaming at cars, yelling, waving his arms. What do you think he was waving and saying? Stop! Slow down! There's an accident up front. There's an accident down the road. And some people beeped and yelled at him and said, get out of the way, you're an idiot. Only at their own peril did they continue to go into the fog and hit that concrete of cars it was in play but his mode was one they call it they call this guy a hero because it was because of his action that he went out and saved the few that slowed down and finally traffic began to slow down he was willing to risk even his own life to tell people going that way is death you know as Christians our job and again is to share people the hope that is found in Jesus don't go that way Jesus saved you from that, and God doesn't want you to go down that negative path and that end of destruction. He wants to save you, and I'm the one waving my arms and saying, hey, wait a minute, I want to be with you. I don't care if you're a sinner. I want to hang out with you. I want to to share the light and shine the light with you so that you can understand what it means to receive the joy and blessing of God. It is the mission of Jesus to seek. That's the search party. And to save. He's the Savior. People from the penalty of sin and that's our job to share the hope that is found in Jesus I don't have time to get to my last scripture, but you can look it up 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 It says that we're new creations in Christ Jesus been made new And we've been reconciled back to Jesus Because of his grace and we're saved and he says every one of you that has been saved. I give you the ministry of reconciliation or the responsibility to make sure that you become a part of the search party I want you to go and reach other people with the hope that you found in me and share that faith and that hope with other people because I, don't, I want them to miss the tragedy. You are an ambassador. An ambassador goes into foreign soil and says, listen, I'm standing representing my government and us, the kingdom of heaven, to say Jesus has a way for us to live a better life where we can be saved. How many of you are willing to be a part of the search party? It requires us in our life to say, Lord, I... I want to be a part of the search party. I want to become aware how you can use me even in my little faith, even in my small understanding, in my small space. Help me begin to see people from your perspective and help me share faith in some way, share my story in some way that can reach the lives of people. You know, the scripture goes on to say in 2 Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become right with God. That's what Jesus did. That's how we got saved. There are many in here that have Gotten saved and can testify of that salvation today, but maybe you're here and you're not saved. You don't know Jesus. You don't have a personal relationship with Him. Maybe you feel far from God, and God's been looking for you. He's been inviting you now and today. He's reminding you, "I love you. I care about you. I got a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. It's better than you can imagine. All you need to do is embrace the hope that I offer. Let your life be changed. Become the Scriptures called born again. Be made new on the inside. Washed of your sins." And receive the gift of eternal life. Maybe you're here and you need that. You need to make Jesus, Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of dedication to give your life to God. and To experience the forgiveness of sins. To experience new life in Jesus. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? And we're going to join together and pray this prayer. Just offer your heart to the Lord. Make these words your own. God, Let's pray this prayer. Say, God, thank you for searching for me. And open up my heart to see that you love me. You provided a plan through Jesus Christ for me to be saved from eternal death. And you offer me newness of life and forgiveness. And today I give you my life. I receive this free gift. And I choose to follow you. I'm not going to go my own way any longer. I want to go your way. And I do it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for loving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I really hope God moved in your heart today. And if you're in the Scottsdale area, I'd love for you to come and visit our campus on one of our Sunday services. You can find details to our service times on our website. I also want to thank our faithful givers. By giving towards our podcast, you're able to help us reach people from all over the world for Christ and fulfill the mission of Oasis, which is to love God, love life, and love people. God bless.